Welcome back to Reliving the War and welcome to the 17th of November 1997. WWF Raw is a taped show tonight from Cornwall, Ontario, Canada, while WCW Nitro comes live from Cincinnati, Ohio. Both companies are still feeling the effects of Survivor Series 1997 and now that a week's passed since the Bret vs Shawn match, we're going to witness how both the WWF and WCW decided to deal with the whole Bret Hart situation. This is going to be a good one this week. WCW presents World War 3 later in the week, as always you can expect a pay per view review this Sunday on the channel and we'll find out who faces the WCW champion after the Sting vs Hogan bout at Starcade. Let's jump right in and get started then with episode 108 of Reliving the War. Raw starts off with a video that shows what happened last week when the show went off the air. Slaughter pulled referee Mike Chioda out of the ring, he shoved HBK, Shamrock performed a schoolboy pin and Slaughter counted to three, even though Sean wasn't officially involved in the match. We'll of course hear from DX and Sergeant Slaughter a little later on. We've got a Stone Cold Steve Austin promo over on Raw to kick things off on the USA Network and on TNT, the NWO are going to welcome us to Nitro. Scott Hall conducts his survey before sending a message to Six, he says all's well in the NWO and he leaves it at that. And then Scott has a few words for Larry Zbysko. He says he, Nash and Bischoff watched some old Larry Zbysko tapes and even when they put the video on fast forward, Larry still didn't move. Larry wants Scott to come over to the commentary table all alone but Hall's not going to do that. Kevin Nash says the Einsteiners didn't beat the Outsiders to win the tag belt so Hall and Nash are the true champions. Remember 6 stood in for Nash. And as for the giant, Kevin says the big man can call himself the one true giant if he wants because Kevin's happy being 6'10", sexy and just too sweet. So Eric says there were some big surprises last week and the NWO want to do it again this week. Bischoff then introduces Hulk Hogan, Hogan comes out and he points to the entranceway and holy shit, ravishing Rick Rude of D-Generation X has jumped ship and joined the new world order. For those wondering, Rude wasn't under contract in the World Wrestling Federation, he was working on a per appearance basis with a handshake agreement and he could legally join any wrestling organisation anytime he wanted. So here he is, now part of the NWO. NWO and making history. Rude gets in the ring and he says what a difference a day makes, this'll make sense a little later on. And Rick says he's gonna take his 15 minutes of fame to talk about the rights and wrongs in the world of professional wrestling. What's wrong is Shawn Michaels claiming to be a champion when he didn't beat Bret Hart. What's wrong is Vince McMahon instructing a referee to ring the bell in order to rob Bret of his title. But what's right in the world of wrestling is for Bret Hart to abandon the Titanic and swim to the refuge of the New World Order. What's right is for the NWO to take over WCW and what's right is for the NWO to take out Sting. Root says he's gonna take this second chance to help the NWO wipe out Sting once and for all. Hogan says the whole brotherhood's here tonight, Hollywood will live forever, NWO for life. Basically Hulk has nothing to say before the promo wraps up but what a play by Eric Bischoff getting Rick Root in such short notice. Rude was legitimately upset with what happened at Survivor Series and he didn't want to work for Vince McMahon anymore, so it was a perfect opportunity for WCW to sweep in and grab another legend of the wrestling business. 
It's confirmed over on Raw that Steve Austin vs Rocky Maivia is gonna take place at Degeneration X in your house. Austin doesn't want to wait though, he says if Rocky thinks he's something special and Rocky thinks he can beat Stone Cold, then Rock should bring himself out to the ring and Rock can bring anyone he wants with him too. The nation's music plays, the faction have a quick discussion on the entranceway, and Rock decides to leave while Farouk, Kama and Delo make their way down to the ring. The nation surround Austin, Delo decides to jump in and try to take out the IC champion, but Austin hits a stunner and Delo's already done for. Rocky then slides into the ring, he takes the Intercontinental Championship belt, Farouk and Kama help Delo out of the ring and the nation head back up the ramp. Rock now has Austin's property and Austin realises that he was just set up. This Maivea boy sure has some gigantic balls taking that IC title. Austin grabs a headset at the commentary table and he says he'll get his belt back tomorrow at the airport when Rock has to go through security. Rock isn't safe anywhere, and Jim Ross looks a little shaken up as Austin leaves. Mark Merrow vs Jerry Lawler takes place next on Raw, on Nitro we've got Ming vs Glacier, I've waited for this day for a very, very long time. Before my wildest dreams come true though, Mean Gene gets a brief interview with Ray Trailer. Ray says the NWO ganging up on people just shows what kind of men they really are and Ray says he'll fight any member of the NWO one on one, anytime, in any place. But he won't be doing none of that tonight unfortunately because the NWO decide to gang up on Ray and the former big boss man gets his ass kicked on the entranceway. Even the Hulkster decided to show up for this one. Ray gets his back whipped, the macho man sprays NWO on his back and Buff Bagwell flexes to the camera. Some things never change. So let's see what the Ming Manly meter says about Glacier. Ok let's just say Glacier's below zero on the meter, he's sub zero. <laughs> Fair play to him though, he understands that the only way to take out the Minger is to attack right at the opening bell. Glacier chops at Ming's back and a leg sweep brings the tough bastard down to the mat, but Ming kicks out and Ming gets mad when Glacier begins punching him in the face. A back suplex puts an end to that nonsense. A big old chop sends Glacier back to Casadale Frosty Balls and Ming performs his ultra combo in the corner. A dazed Glacier then tries to get back into the match, but another chop almost kills our chilly chum. Ming then misses a Minger splash and this this gives Glacier a chance to hit a clothesline that has no effect, though Ming does go down after the follow up dropkick. After performing a backdrop, Glacier gets distracted by Jimmy Hart on the apron. Glacier then tries to refocus on his opponent. He misses a kick, and there it is Tongan Death Grip on Glacier. The Barbarian shows up, but he allows Ming to get the pinfall win before launching an attack on Glacier. You can't see me right now, but I'm literally crying tears of joy. This warms my cold, dead heart so, so much. Ernest Miller shows up to take out the faces of fear, I feel like we've seen this all before but that doesn't matter. The cat takes the Tongan death grip too and this couldn't be any more perfect. Ming wins, Glacier loses, absolutely wonderful. Sable got kicked in the face by her pet donkey apparently and she's got a black eye. She's hiding it under her sunglasses but Butterbean doesn't care. He waves at Sable and this pisses Marvelous Mark off, no end. But Mark needs to realise that no woman can resist big butterballs in his smooth bald head. 
A month ago, Marvelous Mark defeated Brian Christopher, so Big Daddy Lawler's out to get a little revenge. He performs a hip toss at the opening bell and he tries to impress Sable with a Jackie Fargo strut. Sable likes it and she knows she does. What Sable doesn't like is Brian Christopher coming to the ring to back up his daddy. Lawler and Lawler Jr. bump after a Mark Merrill baseball slide and Too Sexy joins the commentary team afterwards. Jerry tells Butterbean he's gonna fuck Merrill up and Butterbean's like, yeah, get him king. Jerry tells the referee to stand in the corner, we are about to witness Balboa vs Creed 3. These two warriors put their fists up, Lawler gets destroyed, and he crawls back to Earl Hebner like a little puppy looking for help. But Earl's the kind of referee who calls for the bell when guys don't even submit, so he's no help at all. Lawler then tells young Brian it's time for some rope-a-dope, the king lures Mero in, and by god, it works. Mero gets thrown out of the ring and Too Sexy gets in a cheap shot. Brian says Sable needs a real fucking man and not this Johnny B bad loser. Bran wants to get those digits and he goes about this by repeatedly saying he's sexy while Sable says no you're not. Bran doesn't give up and eventually Marvelous Mark sees this sleazeball trying to get with his wife. The distraction allows Jerry Lawler to hit his trademark piledriver and when the king covers Mero, Sable decides to get in the ring and pull Lawler away from Mark. The ref calls for the bell, Mero still hits a low blow followed by the TKO and Mark argues with Sable afterwards he's not happy about the DQ. The live audience doesn't know that Sable got kicked by a horse, sorry a donkey. And Cornette says on commentary, the live audience are maybe seeing the black eye and thinking something else could have happened to Sable. Yeah, it's pretty grim and you know what they were playing at here but Lawler wins via DQ and Butterbean's urges to sweep in and save Sable from this dastardly Mero bastard only grows stronger. Alex Bratwurst put it in me. Oh, big Bratwurst. The WWF present the infamous Brett Screwed Brett interview next, while on Nitro we've got Alex Wright vs Steve Mongo McMichael. This is a match we've seen before, Alex defeated Mongo at Halloween Havoc so let's see what happens here in match 2. Alex starts off strong but a back body drop and a forearm to the head puts Daz Wunderkind in his place. Deborah talks smack to her husband and Alex takes advantage. Mongo takes two European uppercuts, he stays on his feet but the third one makes Steve go down in spectacular fashion. <laughs> let's see that again. I I love watching Mongo take bumps, bless his big Chicago Bears soul. There's, an <laughs> there's another one. <laughs> Tony Schiavone announces a Mongo vs Goldberg match at World War 3 as Alex gets the best of Mongo on the outside. Alex slams Steve back inside the ropes, he goes upstairs to put an end to this nonsense but his crossbody completely misses its rather big target. Big Steve loses his mind and he lays in the punches in the corner, Deborah screams at Steve to stop, Nick Patrick tries to break things up but Mongo pushes him away and that results in a another win for Daz Vonderkind, it's a DQ win but a win nonetheless. And let's be fair here, check out Alex's bump after Mongo's right hand. Ever so slightly exaggerated there Alex, just a little though. Deborah looks at the animal her husband's become while Alex celebrates his big win. Well done Daz Vonderkind, well done. Alright, I went into detail about these Brett Screwed Brett interviews before and I'm going to recommend you check out my previous video on the subject because I don't want to go over every last thing again here in this video because it took me half an hour last time. I'll go over the main points here though. Basically Vince wanted to clear the air by giving his side of the story and according to Jim Cornette, 
Vince felt he had come out of these interviews in a good light. He had come out as a good guy and Vince hoped the fans would pretty much see Brett as the enemy after all this. Instead, Vince came off as insincere while he completely misjudged how much the fans appreciated Brett as a performer and fans really disliked Vince after these interviews. He came out of it looking way, way worse. McMahon says some would say he screwed Bret Hart, but Vince looks at it another way. Vince truly believes Bret Hart screwed Bret Hart. Jim Ross wants Vince to elaborate because fans will feel Vince isn't taking responsibility. And Vince says Bret didn't honor the old tradition of putting guys over who helped make him on his way out. This shocked Vince, seeing as Bret sees himself as a traditionalist. But Bret refused to lose on his way out the door, and Bret didn't respect the WWF on his way out, and that was all Bret's decision. So again, Bret screwed Bret. In regards to Brett having a 20-year contract that wasn't honoured, Vince says it was a joint decision. Vince helped Brett in getting his WCW deal because the salary WWF was paying Hart, according to Vince, was no longer justified and Brett wasn't feeling creatively fulfilled due to Shawn Michaels, quote, stealing his spot. Vince is making it out here like Brett was eager to leave and get that Turner money, with Vince saying more than once that he didn't really want Brett to go. Vince was disappointed when Brett hit him. He said, he got a concussion, he considered pressing charges but he's not pursuing it at the moment. That came off as a real weak threat by the way. And Ross ends this part of the interview by asking McMahon how would he have liked the Bret Hart story to have ended in the World Wrestling Federation, what would have been the best outcome, what was the ideal way for Bret to leave. And Vince says it would have been a dramatic story that would have gave Bret dignity. Bret would get pinned but he would stand up afterwards and show the world what a true champion he really was. Brett would congratulate his opponent, he'd shake his hand, and he would have been proud to have shown all the boys in the locker room and all the staff in Titan Towers that that's how a true champion goes out. But Vince says he has no sympathy for Brett after what happened. Brett made a selfish decision. He didn't do the right thing for the business, the fans, or his peers. Brett screwed Brett, and McMahon repeats he has no sympathy whatsoever for Brett Hart. This interview continues a little later on, so we'll come back to it very soon, but fuck, I felt my blood boiling watching this all over again. Fair play for doing a interview though and not sweeping it all under the rug, but my god, if Vince wanted to babyface everyone with this interview, then he absolutely 100% missed the mark. Los Bariquas vs Road Dog and Billy Guns next up on Raw while Chris Jericho battles Rey Mysterio on Nitro. The Raw match doesn't get started, Gun and Road Dog come out wearing the Bariquas gear. Apparently Los Bariquas got their locker room robbed earlier by these two cheeky bastards. Savio and Miguel attack James and Gun on the entranceway, they have a brawl inside the ring and just as Gun and James were about to put Miguel away, Jesus and Jose hit the ring. The ref calls for the bell, it's another fucking DQ, Road Dog and Badass have to fight their way out of the ring and that's how it ended. It was announced here though that Gunn and James are going to face the Legion of Doom at D-Generation X. Over on Nitro, Mike Tanay says this is the first singles match ever between Jericho and Rey Mysterio and I thought Mike was talking out his ass but the professor was absolutely right. Don't ever question Mike Tanay's knowledge, guy knows his shit. 
The cruiserweight matches involving Rey, Malenko, Guerrero and Jericho are starting to become a bit of a blur and it's hard to keep track of all the wins and losses, but you know you're in for a good time when any of these guys lock up and this match was no different. Rey misses a springboard moonsault and Jericho makes Mysterio pay with a body slam. Chris follows this up with a clothesline and a few chops in the corner. Jericho then gets launched to the opposite corner but he throws Rey over the top rope and Mysterio lands on the apron. Chris stops a Mysterio aerial attack and he performs a super Gorilla press slam that gets the crowd going nuts. Watch that again and look at Randy Anderson's reaction. <laughs> it's brilliant. Mysterio rolls to the outside and he tries to recuperate, but Chris follows and Ray gets dragged around by his mask. A very heelish thing to do there, Mr. Jericho. And Chris begins kicking Ray in the head while he's down. Could this possibly be a change in attitude for Chris Jericho? Jericho delivers a great looking vertical suplex, and the audience just randomly begin applauding the match. This rarely happened during this era and it seems to take Chris back a bit but it's still awesome to see. Chris keeps the pressure on with multiple backbreakers and he delivers a powerbomb when Mysterio tries to fight back. He then goes for the lion salt but Ray gets the knees up. Chris fires back with his double powerbomb. He goes for a third but Ray jumps down and he delivers a springboard hurricane rana for the win. Chris can't believe he just lost as Mike Tanay says on commentary, never count out Ray Mysterio Jr. I enjoyed this match a lot, check it out in its entirety when you get the chance. Eric Bischoff confronts Larry Sabisco next on Nitro while the WWF put on a minis tag team match. So we have Max Mini, Nova and Mini Taurus versus El Torito, Tarantula and Battalion. Look at that absolute fucking battalion right there lads, Jesus Christ. Sonny refereed the match because if there's anyone that knows about Law and Order, it's definitely Sonny. And we get around 3 minutes of action here, all good fun of course, Sonny even gets in on the action and… Oh shit, oh no, no, no. The big red machines here and the mini wrestlers start running around the ring losing their minds. Wholesome Jim Cornette tries to hide the mini wrestlers. Actually no, he tells them to fuck off, but nonetheless, the little wrestlers hide behind the commentary table and Kane looks like he's gonna eat these guys for lunch. The headbangers show up and they smash their repaired boombox over Kane's head, but it has no effect. Even tandem aerial attacks can't knock the devil's favourite demon off his feet. Mosh and Thrasher end up taking chokes slams and tombstone pile drivers. Kane and Paul Bearer still want The Undertaker and it looks like everyone's fair game on the path of destruction. On Nitro, the commentary team talk about the NWO being on a roll recently with the signings of Bret Hart and Rick Rude, and there's also been these recent attacks over the past few weeks that have solidified the NWO as the aggressors in this company war, but little do the commentators know there's another attack that's about to get launched right at this moment. Eric Bischoff shows up and he says he's sick of hearing Larry Sabisco talking crap on commentary. Larry takes the headset off, he squares up to quote Eric Ripoff and Bischoff backs down. Larry puts his headset back on, he tells Tanae and Shivani to come back and do their jobs, but then Eric runs back and he gives Zabisco what I could only describe as a playful little slap across the head. The living legend then goes after Eric, but of course it's a big ol ambush. Joke's on you Eric, because here comes a fan trying to take EZE down, and the fan had a great opportunity too, but he didn't make the most of it unfortunately, and he ends up getting a boot from Buff Bagwell. Bischoff kicks Zabisco while the NWO hold him up, the boys then attack Zabisco while he's down, Zabisco gets kicked again, the living legend gets wrecked by the NWO and Bischoff stands victorious over his fallen adversary.
Fiano 4 tries his luck next against Diamond Dallas Page on Nitro over on Raw Degeneration X cut a promo. So here's Ravishing Rick Rude. <laughs> you guys know the story, Raw was taped this week, Nitro was live. Rick Rude makes history by appearing on both shows on the same night, but what nobody talks about is how blunt Rude is here over on Raw. He doesn't do his usual button your lips and open your eyes promo that he's been doing for weeks. He just says, it's time for Degeneration X, hit the music, that's it. It's clear as day that Rude didn't want to be on Raw anymore, but yeah, really fascinating stuff. And another excellent Monday Night War moment, Rude was part of DX and the NWO from a TV standpoint on the same night. The WWF decided to give everyone seizures by playing the DX Titantron during the faction's entrance, flipping to the arena and flipping back to the Titantron video very quickly. It is unique though and it becomes standard practice from this point on. HBK says Shamrock didn't beat him last week, Sean wasn't involved in the match, but seeing as Sean ran Bret Hart out of town and seeing as Sean has beaten all of Bret's family, it's now time to start beating up Bret's friends just like Mr. Shamrock. Someone has a problem with Sean's duck in the audience and give the guy a break, little dude's been hitting the gym constantly. Triple H calls out Sergeant Slaughter and out comes the commissioner. He mocks Sean by counting the three and HBK says you're damn skippy, you better applaud the chomp, chin boy. Triple H tells Slaughter that DX make the rules, DX run the WWF, not Slaughter. And the next time Slaughter sticks his chin in DX's business, it's gonna be the last thing he ever does. Hunter says he heard Slaughter's been having problems with his privates, he's having problems going past half-mast. So Hunter says he might have to swing around Slaughter's house, show Slaughter's wife his Lance Corporal, and Hunter will show Slaughter's old lady what standing at attention is all about. Slaughter whacks Hunter, but DEX launch an attack immediately afterwards. The magical briefcase comes into play, Hunter nailed Slaughter with a pedigree, and gotta say, Slaughter was taking bumps like a champ in 1997. DX put an X across Slaughter with some toilet paper, not as effective as spraying NWO on your fallen victims, but they throw the TP into the crowd, and they celebrate another job well done. The match over on Nitro, that's as predictable as they come, so no need to go into detail. Viano 4 didn't have a hope in hell against DDP, even though Viano 5 tried to lend a hand on the outside. Gotta say though, the diamond cutter in this match was great, so great that I put it in the Reliving the War intro. Look at that, a thing of beauty. After the bout, Viano 5 took a diamond cutter off the top rope and the crowd went wild. Everyone loved DDP and WCW and I think we're all just glad to see him move on to something else that didn't involve Kurt Hennig or the NWO, even if it's just for a week. Light heavyweight action on Raw, Scott Taylor vs Eric Shelley plus a Mark Merrow promo. Over on Nitro we've got Eddie Guerrero vs Dean Malenko. Again, I'm not going to go into detail with Malenko vs Guerrero, it's a match we've been seeing since episode 4 of Reliving the War. We've looked at this match 5 times in total including their uncensored 1997 bout, and this is really just a testament to how well these two guys work together. Guerrero vs Mysterio gets all the praise, but you're missing out if you don't check out a few Guerrero vs Malenko matches too. The cruiserweight title was on the line here and Rey Mysterio came out to watch the action, remember Rey gets a title shot this week at World War 3. This one had a pretty interesting finish, Eddie delivers a superplex and it wipes both guys out. Eddie slowly gets back to his feet and he goes up for the frog splash, Dean wakes up, Dean goes over to Eddie and again both guys get wiped out, this time with a big back suplex from the top rope. The difference this time though is that neither guy can stand up after the move. Charles Robinson counts to 10 and the match is ruled a draw. The back suplex did look great in slow motion, but this means Eddie retains the title and Eddie's gonna face Rey Mysterio 
this week at the pay-per-view. On Raw, the light heavyweight tournament continues with Scotty Too Hotty versus Shelly Too Smelly. Here's our brackets and we've got Aguila and Taka in the first semi-final. And we might see the illustrious battle of Too Cool in the other semis if Scott Taylor can beat the legendary Eric Shelley. During the match, Jeff Jarrett called in. He was pissed off that the WWF are still talking about Bret Hart instead of promoting his big announcement. The hitman's no longer with the World Wrestling Federation, so why the company are wasting airtime talking about the past is beyond Jarrett. But Jeff said, next week he's gonna wrestle on Raw's War. He says he's not gonna let anyone down and he's gonna show us all why he's the greatest wrestler on the planet. Bold claims here from the former Double J. It'll be interesting to see how that match plays out next week. Shelly and Taylor didn't do too bad here but the crowd was absolutely dead from bell to bell. There's a real lack of charisma going on but thankfully a change in character would help Scott out immensely in 1998. Scott wins this one with a diving DDT. Immediately after the match, Mark Merrow comes to the ring with Sable and he demands that Jim Ross gets in the ring and interviews him. Mark says his property, Sable, is getting stalked and the WWF won't do anything about it. This big bald butter bastard won't stop waving at Sable and it has to stop. Mark says Butterbean isn't a real boxer but Merrow is. Butterbean hasn't beaten anybody and, I quote, Butterbean can't even beat himself. I think he has been beating himself, Mark, while looking at your wife, but Mark challenges Mr. Bean to a fight and Big Buttwagon steps inside the ropes. Mark calls Butterbean a fat ass before shoving him and Butterbean shoves Mark back. Mark falls down and the crowd pops, but the fight doesn't get started as officials hit the ring and Merrow and Sable end up making their exit. Sable doesn't look too happy as she goes back through the curtain. The second part of the Vince McMahon interviews up next on Raw, and on Nitro we have Scotty Riggs vs Perry Saturn. Smackhead Kidman's been given permission from Raven to ask Riggs one more time if he'd like to join the flock. Parrot Riggsy says, nah mate, I'll take the TV title shot instead. Saturn takes Riggs down and he bashes his head on the canvas, but Scott replies with a back elbow and a dropkick, and Saturn ends up on the outside. The commentators compare Saturn's role in the flock to that of Arn Anderson and the Four Horsemen, and I'm not so sure about that. Flock business doesn't sound as important as horseman business. Flock business sounds like selling Kidman's body and using the money to buy Soundgarden and Pearl Jam albums, maybe even the odd bootleg PS1 game. Saturn slides out of the ring when Riggs goes for a clothesline, he then suplexes Riggs to the outside and Scott loses his eye patch. Old Patchy the Pirate gets body slammed on the protective mats and back in the ring, Saturn performs a hammerlock belly to belly. Saturn gives Raven a good look at Riggs before Raven takes his seat again next to Sick Boy and Van No Jammer, and it looks like the big zombie grunger left his makeup bag at home this week. Riggs loses the bandage or the plaster that was over his eye after another suplex and he's gonna wrestle the remainder of the match trying to remember to keep his eye closed. Saturn tries to superplex Riggs to the outside but Riggs fights him off and Scotty then does this, the mad bastard. Scotty's just about to punch Raven but Saturn runs over for the save and Scott gets his little American male smashed on the guardrail. Saturn then delivers a top rope leg drop and the match ends when Perry locks in the rings of Saturn. Raven looks over the fallen Scotty Riggs, no doubt offering Riggs some encouraging words about how good the match was and how sick that dive over the guardrail looked. 
Thanks, Raven. Someone we won't be giving any thanks to is Vince McMahon as he continues to dig himself in a hole over on Raw. When asked if he would rehire Bret Hart after what happened at Survivor Series, McMahon says yes, he would. Bret would need to apologise though, and he wouldn't get any more free shots, but McMahon says he would apologise too for doing what he had to do. If Bret could tear up his contract right at this moment and come back to the WWF, Vince said he would welcome him back. So it begs the question, why did you let him go in the first place, you fucking Vince then says Bret Hart sold out and it's not a big deal because Vince helped him sell out. The WWF will go on without Bret, but on a personal level, Vince says the departure has affected him. He regrets that he was forced into making the decision he made at Survivor Series. He regrets that Bret didn't make the right decision in honouring the traditions of the World Wrestling Federation. He regrets that Bret's fans got hurt and he regrets that both Bret's family and his family, particularly Shane who witnessed Vince getting knocked out, has to endure this tirade that Bret's going on. But Vince said he made the right decision for the fans and the wrestlers who remain loyal to the World Wrestling Federation. Vince says he had to do it, he's unwavering in his point of view. Vince hopes he and Bret will get together again, but it's too bad a 14 year relationship was destroyed because one member of that relationship forgot he's in the sports entertainment business. A part of Bret will always be in the World Wrestling Federation, Vince is gonna remember the good times and the stories that Bret told in the ring. But in the end, and this is the kicker, Bret really wasn't the best there is, the best there was, and the best there ever will be. He failed to live up to that title in his last WWF match. Goldust vs Vader on Raw and the Steiner Brothers take on Vicious and Delicious on Nitro. Neither match gets started unfortunately, the Steiners get attacked during their entrance by the NWO and they get their tag team belts taken away too. Mike Tanay says this is all part of the NWO's plan to hurt guys who plan on entering the World War 3 Battle Royal. And yeah, World War 3 does come down to a WCW vs NWO battle but we'll cover all that later in the week. Can't say I'm looking forward to covering the Battle Royal because of how messy World War matches are but we'll look at all the important stuff of course. On Raw, Goldust comes to the ring with Jerry Briscoe and he doesn't look like he's in any shape to wrestle. He doesn't look dressed to wrestle either, to be fair. Goldust says he's broken and crippled, he has a doctor's note, he can't wrestle Vader tonight. Vader says he doesn't care what the letter says but he has a look anyway. He then crumples it up and he throws it at Jerry Briscoe but Goldust pulls a small hammer from his sling and Vader gets whacked on the head. It all ends with Vader shaking on the mat while Goldust heads back up the ramp. And yeah, I still think this new change of character for Goldust is a good thing. As mentioned, I feel he needed to do something different and this definitely was different, but we'll see how it plays out over the next few weeks. Announcing excellence, the new fragrance for him. The sweet aroma of success, the fragrance of excellence, combines leather found on championship belts, subtle hints of maple syrup, a dash of strawberry jam straight from Calgary, a touch of class, a touch of style, and it's all excellently executed with the musky, masculine scent of Stu Hart's Sweaty Dungeon. Keep those lousy, stinking hyenas away while smelling like a real hero, and repel those tramps from entering the dressing room after a hard-fought match. Excellence for him guarantees you'll be sharpshooting your way to success. Visit chinlocks.com today. Get the excellence. 
Sergeant Slaughter addresses Degeneration X on Raw while we get a Kurt Hennig vs Lex Luger rematch on Nitro. Slaughter says he knew when he accepted the commissioner role that it wouldn't be easy. He put away his fatigues and his Cobra clutch and he traded it in for a sports coat and a rulebook. The fans have cheered Slaughter, the fans have booed Slaughter, the commentators have said Slaughter's drunk with power but the Sarge feels he's done a good job. Tonight though, DX, in particular Triple H, got personal and a line was crossed. So at D-Generation X in your house, the commissioner's ordering Helmsley to get in the ring with Slaughter himself. The sport coat's coming off, the sergeant's gonna lace up his combat boots and Triple H is in for the fight of his life. So there you have it, Triple H vs Sergeant Slaughter's gonna take place on pay per view. On Nitro, Kurt Hennig comes out again wearing Ric Flair's robe and I could've swore Rick got that back at Halloween Havoc. It's a bit symbolic of WCW putting on the same shit week after week and no one keeping track, especially when it comes to Kurt Hennig. Kurt isn't too eager to get in the ring and start the match so Lex forcefully brings Hennig in and the total package goes to work. Kurt goes down after a clothesline, he gets his ass kicked in the corner and he performs the flare flop, but a good old thumb to the eye stops Luger's momentum and Kurt goes on offense. We see the snap mare and neck snap, Kurt chokes Luger on the second rope, Lex gets kicked while he's down but all this just makes Luger mad. Lex begins no selling and he turns Hennig inside out with a lariat, he then performs a vertical suplex, but Kurt gets a chance to regroup a little after snapping Lex's neck on the top rope. Two knee lifts keep Lex down and then Hennig applies a sleeper. This takes up a good chunk of match time but Lex eventually gets out with a back suplex and Hennig flies out of the ring after an inverted atomic drop. On the outside, Lex tries to keep the pressure on but Kurt throws Nick Patrick into the challenger and Kurt then uses his US title to whack the total package. Back in the ring we see the perfect plex but Patrick calls for the bell, we have another DQ finish, shocker. Kurt shoves Patrick, he begins attacking Luger while he's down and the giant ends up coming to the ring to make the save. Not a very good match if I'm honest, nothing changes and it doesn't lead to anything either. Raw ends this week with a Dude Love vs Rocky Maivia match while over on Nitro we have The Giant vs Scott Hall. The Rock's got Steve Austin's IC title and he's wearing it with pride. He says the IC title isn't on the line in this next match and he says The Rock's a lot of things but he's definitely not a thief. When Rocky was the IC champion, the fans thought he was the best IC champ there ever was. The people want The Rock and The Rock has answered the people's call. The IC belt gets left at the commentary table and Cornette wants no part of it, he's afraid Austin's gonna come back and reclaim it. In the ring, Dude Love dodges a corner attack and what a story these two would end up having in the WWF 2 when all was said and done. Foley gives a clean break in the corner and he stops The Rock from getting in a cheap shot. Rock then does well to loosen up the shoulder a bit but a thumb to the eye from the more experienced Foley puts The Rock in his place and the two trade wrist locks and waist locks. That ends when Rock goes flying out of the ring. The match resumes with Dude Love blocking a few strikes but Rock replies with a DDT. The crowd chants Rocky sucks as Foley gets punished in the corner and Maivia is keeping the pressure on as we go to commercial break. We come back in time for the people's elbow but Mick builds his comeback after a back elbow. Maivia takes a few strikes in the middle of the ring and he gets his head smashed on the top turnbuckle pad. Foley warms up the band for sweet shin music, we see the super kick, we see the double arm DDT and then the nation run in to break up the cover. Another fucking DQ finish. The nation hold Foley up while Rock grabs the IC belt but Steve Austin runs down for the save and Maivia quickly gets out of the ring. Rock still has the IC title and he lets his nation teammates take a beating from Austin and Foley and Raw ends with Austin looking up at the Rock as the future great one gloats while holding the belt. 
Rock and Foley definitely had chemistry and their match flowed pretty well too. It's really remarkable how this heel turn has made Rock a better wrestler and his new heel persona was gaining more and more traction every week. The WWF should be applauded for taking a risk here with Maivia because it's definitely paying off. Scott Hall vs The Giant then. There's been quite a few names missing from Nitro this week. No Ric Flair, no Sting, no Ultimo Dragon, no Disco Inferno for fuck's sake, no Harlem Heat, no Goldberg. Seems like a lot of lads got the night off, but I must say, Nitro hasn't felt half as bloated either, which is definitely a good thing. Unfortunately, that doesn't last long. I guess Sting could still show up during this match though. Kevin Nash joins the commentary team for this one, Hall dodges a haymaker from the big man and he tries his luck with a lockup. That didn't go too well. Giant embarrasses Hall by setting him up on the top turnbuckle and playfully slapping his face before walking away. Hall didn't find this very funny so he throws a few right hands but again he doesn't get too far. The Giant destroys Hall with a few chops, Hall gets slammed at the mat and Hall decides to get out of the ring and reconsider his next steps. Giant grabs Hall by the throat but Scott uses the turnbuckles and ring post to his advantage and Scott now has a chance. The Giant's big hand becomes a target and it looks like Hall's done enough damage to slow the big man down. Someone isn't a Taz fan it seems as Scott begins stomping on the Giant's hand in the ring. Giant begins no-selling and he gets to his feet. He then hits Scott with his injured hand but he shrugs away the pain and Scott gets nailed with a big boot. The Giant then goes for the choke slam. He can't keep his grip around Scott's throat but he's gonna try one more time. And then the NWO hit the ring. Hope you like DQ finishes because we've had quite a lot this week, to say the least. The Public Enemy, The Vianos, Chris Jericho, Goddamn Glacier, Dean Malenko, everyone hits the ring to fight the NWO and it looks like World War 3 is gonna start early on Nitro. This is how Nitro ends, so no stinger this week unfortunately. It's another win for Raw this week. The Brett Screwed Brett interview lives on in infamy and it's an important piece of WWF television when we consider the on-screen character Vince would play soon on Raw's War. Rick Root showing up on Nitro is also pretty significant. Jericho vs Mysterio was a lot of fun too, but it's another case of choosing just one show to recommend to viewers from start to end, and Raw was just a little more entertaining this week. Raw now has 49 points on our leaderboard, Nitro has 46 points, and we have 13 ties on the board. In the television ratings, Nitro wins with a 4.1, while Raw posted a 3.1. Join me later in the week for the World War 3 pay-per-view and we'll see what happens in the big battle royal. Even if you're not into World War matches, we still have quite a few other matches to look at during the pay-per-view, so I hope to see you then. On Raw next week, Steve Austin tries to get his belt back from The Rock, Jeff Jarrett's in the building with his shit ring gear, and Shawn Michaels says that Bret Hart's in the building and the two enemies are going to sort out their differences once and for all. Thanks for watching this week's episode guys, I do appreciate it as always, and take care.